Andrew, thank you for joining us here today. I know it'll be fun for a lot of our common audience to actually hear from you. Uh, a lot of them see you putting conferences together and uh, a lot of the events that you've worked on. And they're like, but who's Andrew? So uh, without talking about your current career, can you tell us a bit about Andrew Boyer and, and who you are? It's <clears throat> a good question, Gary. Uh, pleasure to be here. And thanks for uh, having me on your podcast series. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be interviewed by you. Um, and it's uh, normally I'm the one doing the interviewing. So, uh, so <laughs> you're gonna put me on the spot today. Um, so yeah, who, who am I? Um, uh, I started uh, my company in 2018. Um, which is called ADB Insights. And what it is, is a media company focused on change and innovation in the professional services space. And so underneath that, we have um, our main brand is called the Canadian Legal Innovation Forum. We also have something called the Canadian Estates Forum, but the main thing is the Canadian Legal Innovation Forum, or uh, affectionately known as CanLIF. And uh, prior to that, um, I, I grew up in British Columbia. I uh, left um, after my undergrad. I moved to the UK. I started my career with the Financial Times in London. Um, and I was with them for about five years. Uh, then I moved to Bloomberg. Um, and I was with them in London and New York and London again over a seven-year stretch. And then a consulting firm focused on innovation in the global legal sector uh, related to my time at the FT for about a year. And then I um, met some uh, someone who suggested that there's uh, lots of innovation going on in the Canadian legal sector. And I uh, decided to return to Canada and set up the Canadian Legal Innovation Forum. So that's uh, that was four and a half years ago now. So. And that I love the, the synopsis. Uh, now, you had a variety of experience, very diverse experiences. Yeah. Um, if you could go back and give some advice to your 18-year-old <clears throat> self, uh, or, or rather a piece of advice, uh, what would it be? Um, that would be that you should um, focus on uh, a career or line of work that you are passionate about if you can or that you're interested in um, and trust that with hard work and some flexibility that it will all play out to uh, something positive even though at the time it may it may not uh, it may not seem apparent at points in your career especially when you're starting out um, Sometimes jobs can be quite boring, quite tedious. Um, but if you're doing the right thing in the right space that you're interested in, then it, and you're aware of your skill set, then I think um, it works out. So, yeah. The, I can completely appreciate that. And I think it will resonate with a lot of the listeners. Um, Andrew, when you're not working, what keeps you busy? Um, so, uh, what do I like to do in my spare time? <laughs> well, you're speaking to entrepreneur to entrepreneur, Gary. So, um, as you know, um, you, uh, you have, uh, a, a lot, uh, a lot to do with work. And I think you and I share, um, a common thread that we both enjoy 
what we do very much uh, and are passionate about our respective businesses. Uh, and so that takes up a lot of my time. Um, you know, other, other things that uh, I like to do in my spare time, um, I like to ski, I like to play golf, um, I like to go to the gym and, and work out, although I need to do that more often these days. Um, and, um, you know, friends, family, partner, that stuff. Uh, Andrew, uh, can you tell us about someone that has really impacted your life, uh, or rather someone that impacted your life the most? Because <clears throat> I know there's many people to, uh, that shape us to who we are, but if you were to be selected. Um, yeah, so I think, um, impact my life the most. Uh, know, do you mean right. professional or personal context? And I think the, if you'd like, you could give both, uh, if sort of sure. the, that way you don't have to, we'll, we'll allow two if, if, if it makes it simpler. Yeah, sure. Um, I think in my, in my, um, you know, obviously I think in, in my personal life, I would have to say, uh, my parents, um, you know, they, uh, they obviously, um, were very supportive of me, uh, finding my own path and, um, uh, and also having a, a view on the world that, <clears throat> um, was, you know, pretty open to experiences. Um, both my parents are, are British, so I have a British passport. That's how I ended up in the UK. Um, and so very open to, um, you know, traveling, um, exposure to what's out there in the world and, um, and, you know, seizing the day, seizing opportunities. Um, yeah. So that would be the parents front. <clears throat> Professionally, <clears throat> um, I think they're probably, you know, uh, there's a number of different people I think that, um, have had pretty big impacts on my career, um, to date, uh, you know, at, at my time at the, uh, FT, um, you know, I remember the head of the European business, um, kind of really put me forward when I was at quite a young age to, to run a, a very exciting part of the, the paper's business when I was about 25, 26, um, which was a real jumpstart to my career. And then I had a, a boss there who, uh, who was pretty um, impactful. He's now a very senior person with the FT uh, after that <clears throat> in terms of teaching me, you know, focus on what things to focus on in business and how to make it happen. And, and don't, um, you know, don't, don't, don't just, just, you know, do whatever it takes to, to, to accomplish things, um, and see, you know, around, um, see around problems, um, instead of seeing them as problems, just sort of always focusing on solutions to those challenges. <clears throat> I also think, you know, so that was one part and, and, uh, and, you know, I'm speaking kind of generally, um, cause I think there was a number of people in my career who, who've had, you know, significant impacts. Um, <clears throat> so I think that time at the FT, a lot of the business that I have now is based on my experiences there. 
and what I consider my business is to be a media company. And we're focused on a very specific vertical um, right now law, although I think we're talking about perhaps doing some more exciting things in other professional services sectors, Gary. So uh, watch this space. Um, and, uh, and so that informed a lot of my sort of focus on how I do things and understanding the business model and being very clear about why I'm doing things the way I am. So that was really, that was sort of the first half of my first third of my career. Now, I think working for Bloomberg, um, much different type of business, um, quite different from what I'm doing now. Actually, most of the work I was doing there is, was very different, but there I learned about innovation and collaboration. And that was a really big part of my learning in my career. Um, and that is, a, you know, Bloomberg is a very, ex very uh, collaborative, innovative, um, driven company. I mean, there's a reason why Michael Bloomberg is one of the most successful entrepreneurs of his era, um, arguably the most, but perhaps that's because I was there a long time, <clears throat> but that sort of way of working, um, working with colleagues, we, you know, the amazing thing about working for that company is that you would be doing something different every year. Um, so they'd sort of put you on a different path or project or region. So I traveled all over the world with them. So I learned how to do business all across the world, Latin America, Europe, the US, Canada, the Middle East. Um, pretty much the only place I didn't do business with Bloomberg was Asia. Um, but that was a huge amount of exposure, uh, working in a very international environment. Um, so if you think about your colleagues, you would, all of your colleagues would actually be from different countries, literally, especially in, in London. Um, you'd have six or seven people sitting on your pod at desk. Nobody has an office at Bloomberg, even Michael Bloomberg, everybody works open plan, um, very much down to basic stuff. So that exposure of working, you know, with different people to solve quite interesting problems that were always sort of coming up or challenges, I guess is a better term. And so that collaboration piece and the innovation part, being able to move with things, refocus, don't, don't hold on to, to things that aren't working. If a part of your business isn't working, move on. It's not necessarily your fault. Don't play the blame game. All that kind of stuff, I think really informed my approach. So in many ways, um, those kind of experiences really melded together. And I think has led to what I'm doing now to be, um, to be successful to date. I mean, I would say it's, it's, it's gone well so far and I'm pleased about that. Andrew, I really appreciate that background. I think it's helpful to our listeners as well to, to understand a bit about sort of your evolution. Now I want to get a bit more specific. What inspired you to start your current business and to pursue the sort of the current state of affairs, so to speak? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so, I always wanted to have my own business. I think, um, you know, although I've, I've just sort of gone through a five minute uh, monologue about um, the things that I, I learned working for large companies and corporations, I think in the back of my mind, I always wanted to do my own thing eventually. Um, and so that sort of confluence of, of a few things and then um, um, basically uh, finding an opportunity in the Canadian market, uh, that worked, um, and, um, and that, that just sort of, uh, got things moving really. 
um, for, 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 the, for the inspirations to, to start my business. I guess it was the right time, right place. Um, personally and professionally, I wanted to return to Canada, um, got introduced to the right people, and it just kind of happened. Although I say that now, it was a lot of hard work and a big risk um, to, to start the business. Um, but once it got going, you know, I had a very clear picture of what it wanted, what it was to be and what I wanted it to be. And, and that's been really rewarding as time goes on, you know, met great people, present company included. Um, and, um, and, you know, I think going back to what I was talking about before, all those skills that I learned abroad in those contexts, which I think is quite unique experience, um, gave me the sort of toolkit to be able to to start this business so now starting any business andrew has its own challenges uh, and uh, the naturally you've gone through a variety i'm sure what would you say were some of the biggest challenges uh, that you encountered and how did you overcome them sure so <laughs> the biggest challenge when i started the business was that I didn't know many lawyers in Canada, right? So that was a, that was a starting point <laughs> that I needed to, to address. Uh, and nobody knew about the brand. And uh, I think in some contexts, the concept of innovation in the legal sector is a bit of a, you know, it's a challenging concept. There's a lot of resistance to it. And I'm not necessarily sure the Canadian market was open to, to that idea when I started the business. Although I think, uh, I would think part, part of it, you know, the, the business itself has, has helped it become a part of the, the roadmap in Canada or created a clearinghouse for people to discuss this kind of stuff and network with each other. And I think there is a broad trend going on in the sector too. So I caught it at the right time. Um, so the challenge was at the beginning, was to get your name on the map and establish credibility that you were going to be able to do this right and so at first you know the thing that funds conferences is sponsors i kind of liken it to um it's like the it's like a film produced production or tv producer business let's say film business you say i have this idea um do you want to, to fund it because it's going to pay this dividend back to you um, but it's really just sort of, uh, a bit ethereal at that point when you're, especially when you're starting out because you have no track record. So the hardest part was to kind of prove yourself, keep your expectations low, particularly financially, you know, the first few years were, were, were tricky, right? That's an entrepreneur's thing you have to be prepared for is that if you're working in a corporate job, high flying corporate job, whatever. Your, your expectations of having the same compensation out the out the doors. I think you probably need to to check that. Um, but um, but the big yeah the big challenge was sort of getting getting plugged into the network, uh, making the case to people that this was an idea worth investing in, and then delivering. And you know Gary, we've talked about this. I mean, the big part in 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 this business again is is you've got to deliver and you've got to execute. So it's all great. The ideas are great and that's perfect. You know, here's the big themes that's hard in itself to come up with the, you know, what's the sort of, um, 
you know, driving forces that need to be pulled into one thing that will draw people into a room uh, to spend a day of their time um, to attend. Uh, that's one part. And then the other part is to make sure you execute and make sure it runs smoothly, you know, efficiently, doesn't waste people's time. And then, you know, from a branding point of view, which I know you spend a lot of time thinking about this, and obviously we partner together, strategic partners, is how are you working with your sponsors and your partners? What are they trying to get out of it? And I think that actually has been a unique selling point for me, which I was aware of at the beginning was, what do sponsors want to do? And well, I call them partners, that's a better term. What are they trying to accomplish out of this? Like really understanding that and working closely with them to give them as much value as possible. And I think when you look at the conference market as it's as it stood, um, I'm not sure all the producers think about that. They just say, we're putting on a conference. It happens every year. Does what it says on the tin. You know, put this is what the price is for this and this and this. And, and, and you know, you can take it or leave it because it's the only game in town. Well, I kind of took a different approach because I'm a business person too, right? So I also know, uh, you know, if a lot of my companies are... Um, the partners are technology companies and they're selling enterprise services. That's something I did for Bloomberg. So I understood, I understand what it means to sell enterprise platforms and all the things that is the different markets, different kind of thing, totally different thing, but the fundamentals are the same. And I think that really resonates with people. And I think it's helped a lot to have deep partnerships. And then, like I said, good ideas and then execute well. So that, those, I guess, are the three things. A little bit off the top this morning, but no, no, and certainly the the uh, those are important, right? Because that's what people go through, and 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 certainly having that perspective of somebody that has been in the shoes of a lot of the sponsors is important. It helps you relate, uh, yeah. but also these tips will really resonate uh, with uh, entrepreneurs that are going into a new market where they're like, "Look, I understand this particular business, but I don't understand necessarily the demographic I'm going into." So it's sort of knowing how to wrap their mind around, you know, I'm going to work with insurance, for example, what does that look like? And I know that I can add value by doing this and this, but I don't know how to penetrate the market. Yeah. So the, I'm going to go back to, to the legal innovation, legal technology, and ask your thoughts into how do you think that will evolve, uh, that, that uh, market and that uh, space will evolve over the next few years? Yeah. So my observation uh, to date is that, um, you know, and I think this applies to, to all professional services, but we're, we focus on the legal sector. So um, I think the principle, the, the, the guiding principle is um, if you signed up just to be a lawyer, um, when you do law school and you finish law school and you start articling in whatever path you're choosing, um, I think that's changing that you do have to have, you know, a business mindset as well. Um, and a flexible mindset, which is not always, doesn't always come easy, right? Because in the legal sector, you know, lawyers are trained to look at risk, right? That's what they get paid to do is here's all the risks and here's how to, how to navigate those risks. Right. Um, and so part of business is taking risks and, um, and so I think um, I think that that mindset uh, part of things is changing. And so it's not just enough to be a lawyer. You've got to have other skill sets as well. Right. And, and that could be 
you know, creative, you know, learning creative, innovative approaches or mindsets to, to challenges you face. Um, kind of what I was talking about too, where do you fit into the value chain, right? Because you are operating, usually functioning, either you're working, if you're in-house, you're working for a business. Um, if you're in a larger law firm, you're working, um, your, your clients are businesses, right? So you, you know, and then, and then obviously, um, when it comes to sort of smaller law, they're focused on consumers. Um, but I think that comes back to the point about the end user. So, um, what's the end user wanting out of this experience collaborating with you? Right. And, and I think that's, that's another sort of part of, 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 of how things are changing. And that's one of the things that I like to focus on. Um, legal innovation generally, again, when I started the forum, I always looked at the framework of people, process and technology. So oftentimes it just defaults to legal tech, um, tech, you know, you need to have people bought in to new ways of doing things. And then the tech underpins it. That's the people process technology. So if you're looking at it through that framework, then you're setting yourself up for success. So don't just look to technology as, as just sort of a, a, a panacea. Um, I think there's, you know, looking at those things in, in tandem is, is how innovation really happens and how change really happens. And it's not that easy. Um, to answer your question about what I think is going to happen, I don't think there's fundamental things that <clears throat> change everything. Although, you, you know, there's a lot of, um, pardon the pun chat about chat GPT right now <clears throat> and our next conference in Toronto, will we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but I would be wary that there's one thing that's going to sort of just be a, just a total game changer. I think there's a lot of things that are, are coming along. Um, and I think the whole thing is, but making processes more efficient, uh, people adopting different mindsets and being open to change. And then, um, and then, you know, these technologies that are exciting, that are emerging, but they're supporting, they're not taking jobs away. They're supporting people to do the jobs. I think the big thing is that business models probably will change in time. Right. And the question is how quickly, um, but my observation is that change is a bit slower than, than we necessarily think. And, and, you know, there's lots of room for lawyers to continue doing their job and, and probably enjoying their jobs more if they adopt this innovation, because the repetitive dull task can be outsourced. Um, so that's kind of, you know, again, this is a fairly long winded <clears throat> thesis about this. I think the other thing is the ecosystem is changing, right? So, Again, how I frame it is I don't like the term vendor. I like to call them third party partners. So vendor just for everybody to understand is like technology or service providers to either law firms or in-house counsel. I like to call them third party partners. And that's how I really also am interested in. And I think, again, one of the focuses of the innovation forum is the legal ecosystem and, um, that's, uh, and how that's evolving, right? How new players are emerging. Um, new providers are emerging, how that fits into the context of law firms and in-house uh, relationships. And personally, I believe that all three working together is what is basically enabling success. Um, I don't think it's necessarily, um, you know, a, a winner takes all kind of scenario, right? 
Um, yeah, so 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 I don't have any huge predictions other than I do see that the challenges and 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 uh, opportunities are evolving, but I don't think it's it's something that's happening you know on a widespread basis. And I think it it just depends on what area of, of the legal sector you're looking at. Um, and I think that those sort of all those things I just talked about, if people are aware of those, uh, then they can you know, kind of get into this stream of, of innovation, right? And, and that, and, and whatever joining point, like there's no, it's not like you're missing out on everything if you haven't started, but if you start and start, you know, get attending our programs, conferences, getting built into that network, plugged into that network, that will, will help you kind of really evolve your, your practice. So um, I think it's an exciting time. I completely agree with you, and uh, there is uh, the evolution is sometimes uh, far slower than we think, despite uh, the the technology capabilities out there. Uh, I'm going to sort of ask the ask the question a little in a different prism, uh, because a lot of the listeners will be from in-house legal departments and lawyers, and some of them in their innovation uh, departments. Uh, you know the because of the amount of conference you put together and the speakers you have had the opportunity to listen to, you've distilled some of this information. What tips would you have for in-house legal departments or uh, departments at law firms on how they can best prepare for the evolution that is coming? Sure, um, I think you should uh, attend my conferences and webinars. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I would say that <clears throat> I think, I think that, I think the thing that, so there's lots of, so first of all, there's lots of like good podcasts out there. Um, lots of articles written, you know, th there's, there's newsletters you, you can subscribe to, um, particularly in the U S there's a lot of content that, that gets produced. And so you can kind of get your head around what the key trends are. And if you have time, of course, lawyers like to read. So, or maybe they don't like to read because that's their job. But, um, but that you do, you know, if you can get your, your, your head around uh, that, uh, that, that sort of context as it relates to you through engaging with different platforms to learn, I think that's a starting point. So again, like, my example, we produced lots of webinars. They're all free on canlift.net. You can go watch as a large body of work that we've produced. I think that's one part. I think uh, plugging into networks too, right? Um, you know, what I noticed and, and, you know, Gary, we did our conference uh, in Montreal last week, which you, uh, you know, were a founding partner of our first conference. <clears throat> there are like-minded people out there and the thing that's interesting about in-house is um, you don't necessarily cross paths with these people because your businesses are totally different sectors. But ultimately, the problems you share and, and the challenges you face are fundamentally often the same. So if, if you have, you know, again, we have panelists from, you know, large conglomerates, financials, all sorts of financial institutions. Um, engineering companies, and they're all kind of talking about this insurance companies, all talking about the same kind of challenges they face, even though they operate in different businesses. Uh, and also that goes for companies that are, you know, it's interesting. I always observe, you know, there, there, there is some similarity on a sectoral basis. And so say you're working at a large bank, well, 
you have a lot to learn from your colleagues at other large banks, even though your institutions are competing with each other, you have in some ways more in common as in-house lawyers. So I think those are kind of two parts of advice. Um, and also, you know, read the financial press, read the business press, understand what's going on in the business world and where, again, we're assuming, you know, these are, you're working in businesses, not every in-house lawyer, but they often work in government too. It's different, but you know, um, where does your company or what's going on in the context of the business, you know, understanding, understanding the business. Cause I think that's, again, you know, a big, a big challenge that's, that's set out to in-house lawyers is, um, you know, adding value to the business. Right. So that's, that's kind of, I think my three parts of advice is, is a, you know, there's lots of information out there, lots of reading material on what legal innovation is lots of, you know, uh, lots of content out there you can engage with, find a network of local people that are interested in the same thing. So you feel, you know, that you're supported in your, in your path. Um, and don't be scared that you don't know anything to start with, right. That you're just interested because it's a very welcoming, uh, community of people to, to, to the innovation stuff. And then understand where your role fits into the bigger context of, of the environment, your business, the company you work for is, is operating in um, and take steps to, to understand that better. Uh, completely uh, excellent, excellent advice. And I think uh, it'll be, it'll resonate with our audience. Uh, so I appreciate that, Andrew. Um, and I may get back to, to a couple of these tips. Uh, frankly, to, to your point, attending the conferences has a lot of these answers. Maybe at one point you should be putting a book together of like tips that I've accumulated over time. So That would be nice, yeah. Uh, but Andrew, the uh, naturally starting a business is demanding and uh, time and, and energy, et cetera. How do you find the balance time-wise between uh, uh, personal life and, and work life and, and keep the energy levels uh, so that you are present for both? Yeah, uh, good question. Uh, it is hard to balance um, life, right, as an as a entrepreneur and having the rest of your life. Um, so, you know, I think, I think, you know, as in time, like try to, Try to focus your time when you're working, you're working. And when you're not working, you're not working. Um, I try to not work on Saturdays if I can help it. And Sundays too, if I can, if I can afford not to. Um, and try to sort of, you know, plan accordingly, take on work that you can, you can, you can do. Um, and you can, you can, you know, fit into your, into the rest of your life. Um, but I, I won't, you know, I won't lie. It's not, it's, it's, it, the, the entrepreneurial path is, is, is one that you have to have that self-belief and drive and you have to like, like it, what you're doing a lot and, 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 and be willing to put in that effort and time and take those risks on. And sometimes, you know, it does, um, it, it, it can, it, it can be hard to balance things. Right. Um, you know, luckily in, in, in my business and yours and Gary, I think we share this in common is that you, it's a lot about networking. So luckily, you know, you're not, you, you, your, 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 your work is people a lot of the time. So that's a fun part of it too. Right. So that kind of, you know, 
working with people or colleagues that you like to work with and, and that adds, you know, a, a, an element as well. Um, yeah. And then obviously make time to take breaks, go on holiday, um, have other, ha other interests outside of, of work as well. Um, yeah, you know, and, and pursue those. Now, naturally, Andrew, you go through certain cycles when you're just before a conference or a certain more intense part of the year. Yeah. Um, how, what productivity tips would you share with the audience or what have you found works really well? Because now you will have times that are extremely intense and uh, we know some of the audience does live very intense lives, so to speak. Yeah. Um, productivity tips. Uh, <clears throat> make a list every week of your major projects. So what, what's, you know, what are the big things you're working on and what are the sub points that, uh, that, that need to be dealt with and then compress them into smaller lists of five, <clears throat> set out five points a day. Here's what I want to do today. And I think there's, you know, I think a big thing is like focusing on, and I've forgotten the, there's some sort of matrix or something out there, but it's, and I think it was from a U.S. president in the 50s or something. Um, it was like sort of what what matters most. So being able to define like what is what is the most mission critical stuff that you need to accomplish to get to the goal, and what's the stuff that's sort of secondary that you can kind of work on afterwards, right? And I think that's as an entrepreneur, I think that's an interesting thing because I think in organizations, oftentimes there's a lot of administration and stuff that you get held up in as an entrepreneur you have you have no choice but to cut through to what matters most otherwise you don't succeed right so being able to see that i think also being able to see with time and experience around the corners of where, where things might go wrong so if you can see you know if this doesn't happen i mean my in my business is very sequential. If you don't do this, this, and this at this point, then you're setting yourself up for problems, which is going to make life a lot more stressful in a few months time. And uh, it depends what you're doing, but in my business is an end point. A conference is happening on a date and that is a specific point in time that you cannot, uh, you can't change that date, right? There's a day before a day of and the day after. So you've got to, um, You've got to kind of just make sure you're 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 seeing around the corners to to um, to address those and 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 I think that keeps keeps a balance and also yeah and and just you know continue persisting too right and and you know times times will be really intense and and then it's a great feeling when these things get accomplished and your business is growing and moving on to the next thing. And absolutely, Andrew, resilience and two-point persistency are critical to success. Absolutely. Uh, now, we talked a little bit about what advice you'd give to yourself as, at 18. Uh, and I'm going to go a bit further and say, when you started this business, uh, if you were to go back to, to yourself a few years ago when you started this business and give yourself a tip uh, on, on knowing what you know now, what you would have done a little differently, perhaps to focus differently or to approach it slightly differently, what would you have, what advice would you have given to yourself? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think, I mean, 
at the beginning, of course, a lot of pressure that whether, whether it was going to work or not and stressing about that. But of course, at the time, it's hard in retrospect to say, well, I shouldn't have stressed out about those small things. Right. And, 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 and cause it worked out in the end, but it's really hard to say whether worrying about those things or being focused on those things made the difference. Right. Because ultimately, you know, again, starting a business is stressful. It's just a different kind of lifestyle that you lead. Um, I, I don't know if I did anything, I would do anything differently. The, the thing that, is interesting about my business when I started it is I started it at, at one, as one thing, which is a live conferences business. And then we had COVID, which was a really existential moment, March, 2020 for a lot of people in their own ways, uh, for people running a business where you had to have people meeting in conference rooms, very existential moment. Like you couldn't think of anything, um, I couldn't think of anything worse. I mean, at, at that point in time was like, what, what could, what could we, um, you know, what, what do we do? <laughs> we can't be in a room together. So that was, you know, so my business has been like, I had to innovate too. That was a real, like, like a, a moment that was really tested the metal of how innovative are you really? Like, it's great that you're putting on a conference about innovation, but you know, you're putting on a conference. It's, it's a trot, well-trodden path to some extent is, you know, conferences are nothing new. Uh, I think I have a fresh approach, but we got completely hit with an asteroid, which completely changed everything. So I had to be very innovative at that point in time to evolve and keep my business going. And that was going virtual. So I haven't had a lot of time to ponder what I would have done differently. Like it might, if it was a bit more linear and we didn't have COVID, then I might be able to have some more lessons learned um, other than don't, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Hard to say, easy to say in retrospect, hard to say now. And I think Gary, you're nodding. So you totally appreciate it because again, as an entrepreneur, as the business grows, you sweat the small stuff anyway, the whole way along. So it's, it's quite, but I think maybe not, you know, learning how to manage the stress around that would be on a personal front probably part of, part of, part of what could be done better. Um, but yeah, I think, I think strategically, I don't think there was anything that I really would have done differently. Um, my, my main strategy during COVID was, uh, all bets are off, um, completely virtual and do not worry about doing a live conference again until it's time to do live conferences again. And so I think that gave me a real edge. Um, because, and, and luckily, like, again, my, I, I also goes back to the, I think the initial statement, um, that we talked about, which was, um, you know, what, what would you teach your younger self It go with the flow, right? Like life presents opportunities and life presents challenges and you've just got to kind of roll with it. And that goes on all fronts, right? Business and, and personal professional. Um, and, um, and, and I had been um, consulting for Bloomberg Law in 2019 um, and putting, helping them put on webinars for the U.S. market. So they were doing these sponsored webinars for various different topics on U.S. topics. And I knew some people at Bloomberg. I was starting out, so I needed revenue besides just my conferences. And I was doing some consulting. I learned how to put on webinars. And I was like, already, this is a brilliant idea. I thought this should be done in CanLift. So I was pitching it to sponsors. 
at the time, there wasn't a huge amount of interest. It was like, what's a webinar? Like, why would we do that? We just want to sponsor your conference. Um, but as soon as the pandemic happened and some of the sponsors said, what are you doing? I said, well, webinars, I was telling you about those webinars. What well, can you do them? Well, I put them on for Bloomberg. So yeah, I know in principle how to do them, right? And I'll figure it out how to do it. And then that's really was a game changer for the business because we just moved ahead. We, you know, I think we put a hundred plus hours of virtual content, we're still putting on webinars. Um, and, and I think that was a real confidence builder because you were able to overcome that. And you basically created a whole new business on the spot. And that gave me a lot of confidence to, to, um, that, that I was innovative too. Right. And then, so when it's time to come back to, uh, live events again, which our first one, we were very aggressive coming back. We took a big risk. Uh, May 2022 was our first live conference. People, I know in the collective mind in Toronto in April, people were worried that we we're going to have to shut down because of COVID again. I was worried too, but I pressed forward. I, I made that decision December 2021. We're going to take this risk and do it. And I think things will be okay. And it paid off. And then you came back and said, look, we all had to be innovative, right? Present company included. So, um, that's a, again, like a long-winded answer to, to your question. I hope I haven't gone, gone too far off track here, but, um, but those kind of, of things that, you know, you taught what you would have known before, uh, or learned about, or, or thought you could have done differently. I don't really think there's anything we could have done differently. Now, I think actually the challenge in the new context is what does that new context look like? That's, that's probably, you know, at this point is, 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 is how do you kind of shore things up and where's the business going now. So, yeah. And Andrew, you had some great advice built in and what you just said, because one of the most important things entrepreneurs go through is pivoting because you may have a general idea of where you want to get to. So it's here, but the, it's never really a straight line, not even like a wavy line. It's huge zigzags in terms of how you get there. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that requires a level of flexibility. It's not something that happens with just, you know, you set out with a business plan. Uh, if that business plan had exactly what you did every week, I guarantee you those weeks won't look the same as you get to the final <laughs> timeline. So, yeah, and that's it, right? I think that's like again, that's would I have thought, thought? I never. I mean, I always plan, but a lot of it's intuitive too, right? And a lot of it's going with the flow and things are opportunities. Now, where you got to to work as an entrepreneur, I think I think the key, a real key thing is identifying an opportunity that makes sense for your business and that you're going to invest time and ultimately money in to do right. And it's got to make sense. And there's got to be, there's got to be sort of an end game here that you say, okay, if I'm going to start doing this, this market's going to make a lot of sense and I can grow it and it will be worth it. It's not just a one-off kind of thing. Um, and I think that flexibility, right? Like you do have a roadmap and I think strategy and planning is important. But I do think what COVID taught all of us, we couldn't have thought, <laughs> I know in the news they'd said, you know, or Bill Gates had said, pandemic's going to be the biggest thing that, you know, in, in 2016 or whatever, but none of us expected that to happen. We all had to work on the fly, right? And so that that's the thing is you always got to have a strategic plan, but plans will change, right? So... The only consistent change by the plans is that they will evolve. So. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, so I think having that mindset of, of looking at opportunities, having a general here, I want to accomplish this. This is what I want the business to look like. 
um, financially or, you know, from, from whatever your creative perspective, what you envision for it, but be flexible on that road and expect twists and turns. Yeah. Andrew, I'm, I'm, uh, a great advice built in and I think it will really resonate. I am switching to a, a slightly different aspect of our podcast and a, a fun one that I really enjoy it. So we call it the one word rapid fire questions. And what I'm looking for from you is sort of the first thing that comes to mind. You don't have to overthink it. It's supposed to be a fun thing. So, okay. Yeah. Usually I'm not good with one word because as you just seen it, <laughs> but the, that's what makes it fun. all right so if you're ready what is your favorite word collaboration excellent see you're great uh what word do you hate uh Can be done. That's can three words. <laughs> we can just even if we said can't, uh, I think it's, it's, it, it can really it, it can really give the same effect. So I agree with you. Uh, what words you have a hard time pronouncing? Prescient. I think a lot of people would have that challenge. Uh, what is your favorite word in another language, if you have one? I don't have one. Uh, that's uh, completely okay. Um, and I think uh, having spoken French at the conference last week, everyone presumes you speak French. But <laughs> for the audience, do you speak any other languages? No. No, and uh, and I yeah, I don't speak French either. But uh, I practice no, I practice my speech a lot. No one would have known that last week, Andrew. You did great. Thank you, Gary. Uh, one word to describe yourself. Driven. See, you're doing great with the one word answers. <laughs> And the last one, this one is no longer a one-word answer, is if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose? Uh, Barack Obama. Yeah, it's, uh, I, uh, I, I, love the, uh, I love the context and, and your choices. Uh, very well. Any particular reason why Barack Obama? I, I think he's a, a fascinating person, um, you know, and has a very interesting life story um, and and relatable in the sense that life is a journey. Right. And 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 there's and and an adventure. And, uh, you know, who knows where where you will end up. Right. If you embrace that as it, as it is an adventure. So I, I found him to be a very inspirational um, person in, in, you know. Uh, I've never met him, but his speeches, his writing, um, obviously, you know, being president, I, you know, even though we're in Canada, but I think that would be someone I'd, I'd be very excited to meet. Well, Andrew, I tell you what, as your conferences get bigger and more reputable, eventually we, we can invite him as a guest speaker at one of the conferences, and then you'll have an opportunity to meet him. That would be fabulous. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's I, right. 
unlike some historical figures that were that are far back in history, him you can still have coffee with, which is great. That's true. Yeah, I don't know if that completely answers your question, but no, it does. It does very much because historically just gives you the opportunity to even go back to people that are in a different era, but not that you have to go to. It just gave you bandwidth, but not uh, not so that you necessarily went back that far back. Uh, Andrew, I really appreciate uh, your time today. I think there's been some great insights shared and uh, in a consolidated fashion. And the uh, it's hard sometimes to to distill questions to to try to grasp a lot of what you've learned over time and sort of your evolution as a person. Um, I think the uh, Canliff has done a lot for the legal community, and it's been. Uh, great solution, much needed in the Canadian marketplace. And I think it's an area that will become more and more popular with as, as technology plays a more critical role in, uh, in, legal, uh, in the legal space, whether in-house or in private practice, but also from the learnings that come with it, the processes that are, to, it's not just technology itself, but how do we implement it? How do we affect the change management that comes with it? And uh, your conference are great for it. And uh, I highly recommend them to anyone in the audience. Thank you, Gary. And uh, likewise, uh, pleasure to be on today's podcast and also, you know, to partner with Alexa Translations on our series and, and a lot of lot of common ground and, and enjoy uh, working with uh, with you and, and the team at Alexa. Thank you again for uh, joining us today, Andrew. Thanks, Gary.